You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition kicking off your week. Thank you all so much for your questions. You brought it significantly. Can kind of feel the draft is is nearing, can't you, Maddie Lane? Oh, it's right around the corner, and by right around the corner, I mean like a few of the longest weeks imaginable away. As we sit around with no real new football news that is going to come out for a while, most likely. So uh, the draft is close, but yet so very far. I'm very happy that my good friend. The Renaissance man sent me over some building plans this weekend so I could spend my entire time outside. He drew up some plans so I could build some chicken houses and a rabbit house this weekend. So everybody thank Craig for me for sending those over. Here's how well we know each other. Matt knew I was going to give him crap about being the true Renaissance man for building an A-frame chicken house this weekend. And so he beat me to the punch because he is introduced before me he did that all on himself. That, that was not me. I, I had nothing to do with it. But it looks great. Good job, Maddie. It does look great. Thank you. And it would be a lot of fun to call Maddie the Renaissance Man too, but we can't. We can't brag about Maddie's accomplishments, which are, which are many, because we enjoy Craig's skin turning a darker shade of red, a more flush shade of red. All right, let's jump on some of these questions. Uh, we've got a lot of them. Y'all brought it again as usual. Appreciate you. We start with a five-star review. If you like the show, if you like the Arrowhead Pride podcast channel, uh, leave a five-star review. Ask a question. We answer it. Uh, be Shudder. I, I love the podcast. Good laughs and great information. Thank you. Uh, I'm a huge draft fan as well, and listening to you guys, I get confused on a few players that you agree are good fits. For example, I feel like, guys, you show interest in numerous offensive line prospects that seem to be better fits at guard than at tackle. In my opinion, I'd rather draft a Mahomes uh, another weapon than draft another pretend tackle to play guard. <laughs> also, what is your opinion on Divine Diablo as a box safety? So as far as the tackle side of it, the issue that comes in when you're dealing with offensive tackles in college is every college football team has to field, well, every football team has to field an offensive line, which means you have to play two offensive tackles. This is big news. Unless you're in the fans. Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl, except for the Super Bowl. They didn't field, oh, never mind. You might want to send that message to Brett Veach right now that you don't have a left tackle. Martinez Rankin would like a word with you. So... Therefore, in college, your best players, which are these guys that are going to be going to the draft, most likely are going to play tackle no matter what. You know, there's not as many athletic constrictions. There's not as many rules about their arm length from what teams like because you're simply just putting, you know, the top 2% of the athletes on the field. Your best athletes are going to play tackle. 
once you get into the NFL, the playing field gets evened out a little bit. So that's where all of a sudden you get guys that run a certain 10-yard split in their 40-yard dash, guys with a certain amount of certain speed on their 20-yard shuttle, certain arm length. They have to fit a certain weight threshold. These things start to matter when the talent pool or the talent level evens out. And that's why there might be some guys that we like at tackle. Like, I love Rashawn Slater. I think he's almost as good as Penny Sewell. I think he's going to be a stud in the NFL. As far as a fit going into for the Chiefs, though, I don't think they'd play him at tackle. I think they'd play him at guard. And I think he would be a great tackle in the NFL, just not for the Chiefs. So it really depends on what coming out of college how they're going to translate the best and the type of offense they go to. The Chiefs ask for a lot of longer tackles that can play on an island. It doesn't matter how much I like the guy, the Chiefs are not going to play a guy with sub 33 inch arms to tackle. What we're trying to identify is like, I mean, honestly, it's, there's just exceptions will have to be made for some of these players to fit uh, or just breaking some of the norms real quick on divine Diablo. I think I had a late day three grade on divine Diablo Big dude, obviously. I think he tested decently for you know a guy his size. I just didn't see the football player. I think he lacked a lot of instincts as a box safety. Um, I didn't really love his ability to tackle, ability to get off blocks. Uh, I thought his instincts were really suspect, and he doesn't have really that great a coverage ability either. Uh, really wasn't overly impressed with him in very many aspects of the game. Uh, Adam or H Adam Adam eighty eight. I'm sorry, I don't know which one that is. Apologies. Do you see the Chiefs trading up in the draft to about pick 10 for one of the top-tier tackles, Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater? Would it be worth it to trade this near this year and next year's first-round picks and possibly another pick to get the starting left tackle for the next 10 years? I mean, uh, the hard part about that is it, it costs more than that to get up into the top 10 from the Chiefs position. If you look at your Casey draft guide, Kent puts together the draft math every single year and so it's out there and if you want to get to like roughly like pick seven pick eight somewhere in that range you're gonna have to give up all three of your first round first three round picks from this year's draft and your 2022 round one and round two picks just to get up that high i know a lot of mock draft machines give you the ability to basically trade you know like this year's first and next year's first and maybe like a giveaway pick late and that gets you there that's not how trades actually work in the nfl look at the rich hill draft trade chart that will tell you how it is that being said with that much capital that you're having to give up that's a little too steep for my blood i love penny sewell i love rayshon slater i love guy those guys but that's a lot of picks to give up when this team needs to get some cost-controlled talent on the roster, they need to fill a bunch of holes, add a bunch of depth with a bunch of young guys. And if you're having to give away that kind of haul to go get it, and I get that that fixes left tackle, and that's great, but you're costing yourself a bunch of depth, a bunch of fringe starters, and hopefully potential starters in year two or three of their rookie deals, That that's basically saying, hey, we're going to throw all that out the window. And we saw the way the free agency went this year. You know, you can't, you can't count on just being able to fill those holds in free agency every single year. Like we saw this year. Pew, pew five. Uh, I gave you the sound effects too. Yeah, please, uh, please with- cut that. We need that going forward. <laughs> I got it. Don't Great. worry about it, guys. 
Craig marked it. Uh, with the Chiefs moving Greg Lewis to running back coach, are we going to finally see the potential of Clyde edwards alaire realized in the passing game? I don't think Clyde. I don't think Greg Lewis being there will hurt at all. Uh, I think he could actually help him for sure. Uh, I think just having a full off season, a full regular off season, will be really good for Clyde edwards alaire uh, building a little bit more trust with Andy, getting his feet wet, having a a full normal uh, off season, I think will do wonders for him. I am still optimistic that we're going to see more of Clyde Edwards Alaire involved in the passing game. I hopefully they're able to build off of some of the things that he was showing before he got hurt uh, late in that year. I mean, I think he had a really good game against Miami. I think Miami tried to play a little bit of man. They had some good man beaters for him out of the backfield. Hopefully we see him get involved a little bit more. Twitter question time. And actually, this wasn't a Twitter question. This was just my friend Casey. He asked, given the Chiefs roughly $20 million in cap space, if they are unable to sign any more significant contracts, are they able to restructure current deals to have more cap hit this year and thus free up money down the road? It goes against the current norm of mortgaging your future to win now. So restructuring contracts... I mean, if it's a true restructure, it's not necessarily adding additional years onto the contract. So what all restructuring does is it does it typically what it does is it creates cap space for the immediate future, but it puts you farther in bed with a player uh, down the road. So like Frank Clark became a lot more difficult to cut. It doesn't necessarily make sense to restructure current deals um, because all this money is going to I mean, all, anyways, any cap space whatsoever can kick down the road. Like, you're carrying money over. So, like, if the Chiefs have $20 million in cap space right now, they're carrying over all of it into the next year as well. So, like, if they don't make any moves here to try to make this football team better with the rest of their cap space, it's just going towards next year's cap hit. It doesn't necessarily make as much sense to restructure, but it could make sense to extend some people. Like they could, you know, they could get cap space not only for this year, but cap space that they can carry over into the future with a guy like Tyron Matthew. They can reduce his year one cap hit or his final year cap hit here with the with the Chiefs, and then they can, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have a little bit more cap space this year, but they can kick that down the road if they need to. So that's their flexibility moving forward. Um, but that would require an extension rather than just a restructure. All right, K then sixteen. How many hours combined between the group of you t- to produce the KC draft Bible? Uh, I mean, KC draft guide. <laughs> I just, I really wanted, I really, I asked this question because I wanted to see what you all estimate. I'm just curious where your all estimates came through. Mine is north of 500 hours. I, I know that for a fact. Um, I, I don't know how much north of 500 it is, but I know I clear the 500 hour mark this year. Did you, tr- did you I track? Stopped I stopped counting it. Yeah. Well, I stopped counting after I had 500 hours cause it was depressing me that it wasn't, it wasn't getting done as quickly as I thought. Yeah. Oh my. I don't even want to think about it, let alone actually track it. Like there's zero, like 365 days worth. I mean, if I'm being honest, uh, yeah. the one thing I will say, especially during the summer or when the football season just starts, like college season just starts, I watch a lot of football while doing other stuff too. So I don't, I always get hard if I'm going to track it. How do I count watching a game live or how do I count if I'm doing dishes or cleaning up the kitchen and also happen to have a game on watching it while I do that? So it gets hard to track it for me, but I mean, literally I take like a week off from watching the draft at all post draft. And then I kind of start on the next year, usually within a week or two. 
Uh, go to gum.co slash kcdraftguide21. Promo code LAB gets you literally thousands of hours of work on uh, on this on this year's draft. Uh, I will say this real quick. Yes, we've I I believe 500 hours. One I 100% believe that. Um, I will say it's not like. It's not like you were twisting our arm for all of this because oh, no. we would have watched this. We would have watched a lot of prospects and we would have spent a lot of hours watching prospects as a passion project. We probably just wouldn't have written as many things about all these players. Absolutely. The, the, <laughs> the quote unquote depressing part about it is I still have, you know, 10 terrible corners and five terrible linebackers. And then I have to write about all of them afterwards. Right. The fun part is watching the good players. <laughs> Stumbling into good players sometimes. Stumbling into good players is great too, yes. Thousands of hours. Gum.co slash KCDraftGuide21 promo code LAB gets it for $8. Whoops, I gave the promo code out again. Chief Anglin 55 what are your thoughts on the rumors of the Chiefs trying to land Orlando Brown? I mean, I'd be concerned if there weren't rumors about the Chiefs trying to land Orlando Brown from both sides. One, if you're the Chiefs, you want your fans and everybody believing that you're doing everything you can to go get a tackle. So, like, you want that to be known as well. You don't want everyone thinking you're going into the draft having to take a tackle in the first round. So being involved with trade talks helps disguise your draft strategy a little bit. If you're the Ravens, you look around the NFL and you pick the most aggressive tackle needy team out there to say, hey, this team's trying to trade for our guy just to help drive up his price. So it's no surprise that they're involved in the rumors. That said, do I think the Chiefs are really trying to get him? Probably. It would make sense if they were, especially if Mike Garofola's report from earlier this summer was that it's going to take like a day three pick. He's that he said he wasn't going to get the Laramie Tunsil trade package because you're having to pay for him and just with everything going on. So it sounds like if what it is going to take is a day three pick and now, or day two pick, I'm sorry. And the Chiefs are picking at the end of the round. So maybe you do have to up that, include something from next year, give up a first round pick instead this year. They should definitely be involved though if the trade price is not that much. Yeah, you you would think that it's probably going to cost more for the Chiefs because it's a you know it's a conference rival for lack of a better term. There, I know the Chiefs have whooped them repeatedly as of late, but I, the Ravens fancy themselves an AFC contender. Why would you trade the tackle you know to the Chiefs basically to help try and fix their offensive line unless they were giving up a fortune? So. I do think that the Chiefs have called, certainly, because Orlando Brown is the best, quote-unquote, available tackle that's out there on the market. So I do think that they probably called. I think that they were willing to, you know, basically sort out all the free agent options first before they really pursued in earnest with Orlando Brown. But I, I could see maybe them ratcheting up some of the pursuit this week trying to come to an agreement. I just don't know if the Ravens are willing to give the Chiefs basically that advantage that it would give them again. Magruder, P-Mac, between these four players, which one would you choose at pick number 31? Defensive end Jalen Phillips, left tackle Sam Cosme, cornerback Greg Newsom, or wide receiver Terrace Marshall? I'm picking Jalen Phillips because not only is he the best player right now, 
He's also got the highest ceiling at the NFL level. He is a crazy, explosive, bendy pass rusher with length. I mean, he he fulfills all the Spags requirements, and he fulfills all of my favorite requirements about an edge rusher as well. It's literally just medicals with him. It's a gamble for certain, but if he's healthy, he's the best of these four already, and he's got the potential to have a really ridiculously high ceiling career. Reverse order, Terrace Marshall Jr., Big Gap, Greg Newsome, Samuel Cosme, and then finally at the top by a rather wide margin is Jalen Phillips for essentially the exact same reasons that Craig said. I think that he plays a position of need. He comes in and is the best player of this bunch right away with a prop, an equally high ceiling, I think, to Samuel Cosme if he figures out all of his technique at tackle. Equally important position. Give me the guy that's ready to play day one that could also has the potential to be an all-pro level player. I'm the same way, except for the Greg Newsom, Sam Cosme debate is a lot tighter for me, I think. Uh, so I think both of those guys fall very similar to me. But Jalen Phillips is a massive swing because there's a lot of question marks, but he's a massive upside player as well. Uh, but man, uh, there's, honestly, if you told me, if you told everybody but Terrace Marshall, if you told me that she's took them at 31, I'd, I'd be good. I'd be happy. Like Those are three players I would be happy with them taking. All right. C-Drift 24. Who do you feel has more upside as a long-term left tackle? Walker Little or Stone Forsythe? The more I watch Stone, the more I kind of like him. Do they both meet the arm length requirements? So arm length requirements can't can correct me if I'm wrong, but both of them fit the threshold that Andy Reid prefers to play with. Stone Forsyth makes the cutoff for what Andy Reid typically drafts, which is 34 inches and above. Walker Little, I do believe, was in the high 33 inches, if I remember correctly. So both fit what would play for Reid, but in terms of draft, like history of drafting tackles, Stone Forsyth might be the slightly better fit there. In terms of higher upside, it's Walker Little by a pretty big margin for me just because he is the better athlete. I think he's a lot better run blocker right now, right away, and he's still got some room to grow there. He's not too far off of Stone Forsythe in terms of his pass protection either. I just think he moves a little bit better, but I mean, I would love to get either one of these guys at the end of round two. I wouldn't be super upset if either one were the pick in round one. And that's going to sound weird to some people because both of those guys, I believe, hold third round grades. Um, there's a lot and in a, yeah and in a lot of mocks they're going much later than round one much there's much a lot later. yes there's just a lot of nuance to that and it's understanding why the chiefs are taking the swing and they're and they're a level of confidence in those players and their ceiling and their ability to get them to reach their ceiling well i mean like to address the grades too real quick walker littles played i mean he played one game of football in the last two years so everything else i'm grading of walker little was as a true sophomore if i remove everything but the one game he played after that like he would be a mid second round grade if i cut it to just the northwestern game so his grades brought down by the fact that the last time we saw him was just a healthy for a season was a long time ago very young very still immature and he's got better stone Forsyth, yeah i mean like we're saying here the Chiefs are probably going to have to reach a little bit for a tackle. It's about finding the guy that best fits their scheme and what they need to do. I would love to take Forsyth at the end of round two, but if they reached a little bit, I'm admitting it's a reach and took him at round one, I couldn't be too upset because he does do what they ask their tackles to do very well. Yeah, I, there's just a lot more context and nuance than just what's on paper for a, a, a big board even. 
it's our our belief and our confidence level based on what we see and, and our ability to project them. And if you know they have insights that they believe there's if there's some questions that we might have that they believe that are answered quicker or better, they think they can get him to his ceiling quicker. Then those you know that's that's why you see guys maybe go higher. I mean, uh, the Chiefs sent their offensive line coach down to work out Stone Forsyth. So if they turn around and draft him round one, that tells you they believe that they can get the most out of that player immediately, that they believe that he's worth that. Yes, that's going to seem like a quote-unquote Brett Reach thing. <laughs> like, you know, that's that's going to be the thing. Oh, he reaches for players. But, like, they did their homework on this guy. They sent him. They, they sent somebody down there to do the work. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with more of your questions right after this. All right, we're answering your questions here. We're on the Twitter questions, and Kay Gumminger asks, who is your favorite player that did not receive a write-up in the KC Draft Guide? I love this one. I love this one, Christian. Uh, my guy is going to be Ernest Jones out of South Carolina. He is a linebacker. He's 6'2", 230. And if I would have put a player comp on him, it would have been Anthony Hitchens. This man is a freight train coming downhill. He's got powerful hands. He's good deconstructing blocks. Basically, everything in the run game setting up everything for south carolina making sure that everybody's on the same page he does ridiculously well i got serious anthony hitchens vibes out of this guy he also can't cover like straight up can't cover. <laughs> there is a rep in one of the games that i watch i believe it was against tennessee that uh, a crosser comes across the middle and he's he's playing in a hook zone and he actually takes the player, transfers him over to J.C. Horn, passes him off, and then sits on another underneath route. And J.C. Horn gets so excited that he did it after the play, after the rep. Like, he he's, he's praising him like crazy because it was a good coverage rep out of him. But, I mean, he's ridiculously fun against the run, just not a player that's really going to hold up in today's NFL in a way that I think is going to make a lot of sense for anybody. But I, I, I liked watching him for me. This is a throwback to the pre draft process for the 2019 draft. So coming off of the 2017 season, Duke cornerback, Mark Gilbert was one of my favorite guys that I watched that summer. People that follow the draft super closely might recognize his name because he was often thrown in the top 50 in the first round of those mock drafts, you know, before the 2018 college season started. Then unfortunately, early in the 2018 season, he suffered a hip injury that took him out for the rest of the season. 2019 rolled around and his hip was either not recovered entirely or he re-injured it. And so he missed the entire 2019 season. And then this year, everything was up and down. He still had a lot of nagging injuries that bogged him down. So you have a guy similar to Walker Little that's essentially been hurt for the past three full seasons. He hasn't played much football, but man, you go back and watch him as a freshman in 2016, as a true sophomore in 2017. He might be 170 pounds, but he plays physical. He's got some good length. He's a guy that is a fantastic cover 
cornerback. He's got the movement ability to mirror and match wide receivers with ease. He's got fantastic ball skills coming away with six interceptions back as a sophomore. Like this is a guy that just understands how to play the cornerback position. He's probably not a guy that's going to be the most physical in the run game. Who's going to handle six foot five, 220 pound receivers, but you can put him in the slot a little bit. You can put him out wide versus Z guys that are going vertical. I really loved his coverage ability as long as his body's feeling good. I like that one. I'm going to go with uh, Cornell Powell, the wide receiver out of Clemson, and he barely missed the write-ups for the KC draft guide. Uh, he, we gave him a fifth-round grade. I think that's probably about right. I don't think he's the, a world-beater athlete, uh, but he's a big physical guy. I think he's going to wind up being a four-core special teamer, and I think he does a lot of the little things. He's almost like discount Josh Palmer in some ways, not entirely, um, because I don't think he's a guy that's going to win at the catch point the same way or same level of body control with the ball in the air. So he's not an above-the-rim guy type player, but I think what he is is a guy that's going to do his job in between the receptions that he gets, and that's what I kind of like about Cornell Powell. He's a willing blocker, going to be a, a core special teams player. Um, I think he's tough and physical through contact still. Don't get me wrong. I think he can make difficult contested catches. I don't think he's the guy that's going to consi- consistently separate the most. But I think he could potentially be a discount X type moving forward. Bigger dude, six foot and a quarter, 204 pounds at his pro day. Ran a four five three, pretty good athlete. Pretty quality athletic profile. Uh, and I think a lot of little things you're going to like about him. Connor DKC, what is the most shocking pick at 31 that you think could happen? Oh, this is a tricky one because it's it's really hard to pick an off-the-cuff kind of surprise pick that somebody else hasn't already mentioned. Like Then that kind of takes away the aspect of a surprise. But um, I'm going to go with Jabril Cox, linebacker out of LSU. And I'm going with this because I was going to say Jameen Davis, linebacker out of Kentucky, but people have been doing that. That's been in mock drafts to the Chiefs as of late. So I'm going with a very similar style of player, one that we have graded slightly higher than Jameen Davis and Jabril Cox. Guy had a lot of hype going to LSU, started out the year a little rough, but as he got kind of solidified into his role, as he understood the new speed of the SEC, he's a very good coverage linebacker. He goes out there, he can man up on tight ends, he can man up on bigger, like legitimately play man coverage on some bigger wide receivers out of the slot. He's still working out how to play the run at this level, but he can come in and he can cover. He can do that on day one in the NFL. He's got a good frame, he's a good athlete. He could he could sneak into the first round. It wouldn't, compl- it wouldn't floor me, but boy, if the Chiefs did it, I would be upset. Man, that was going to be mine. I'm frantically scrambling here. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go the opposite direction because this popped into my head. I know that Jabril Cox was going to be mine as well. Micah Parsons. I'm going to say that just because everybody's going crazy about how Micah Parsons isn't as high on everybody's draft board as everybody says it is. And there's a lot of media stuff that's out there. If Micah Parsons falls... I think the Chiefs are taking him. Like I, I, I think that they are one of the teams that's more likely to take a gamble on character concerns. We know this. You know, we we've heard this as Chiefs fans forever and ever now. So he has the ability to play off the edge. He's a ridiculously good rusher off the edge. He would be a significant upgrade to the linebacking corps. Like he's our linebacker one for good, good reason. If he falls, they're taking him. So the shocking part about that would be that he fell to 31. I don't know that the Chiefs would be able to hold their tongue on that one. 
right. We've talked about this guy a lot, but I think he would make sense as a surprise round one pick, and I think I know how Brett Veach would sell him. Carlos Basham. Boogie Basham, the edge out of Wake Forest. I don't know if we've talked about this guy specifically as a round one player, but he would be a guy that I would be surprised they took, and I would be disappointed. I think the sell would be he's a guy – Go watch, go watch some of his tape inside at the Senior Bowl. Look how dominant he is. I'm so excited to get this guy lined up next to, Steve, uh, to Chris Jones on third down, but he has all the requisite arm length, density, power, yada, 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 that we like here at the edge position. Uh, I still think, like, if you, if you took him at 63, I think I'd be okay. I think we've kind of established that. I'd be fine. 31, he's an older prospect, too. Like, this is kind of this is kind of what he is now. And granted, he did play well in, inside at the Senior Bowl, getting to show some versatility there. But, yeah, that one would be a little bit disappointing. But I could see the Chiefs making a move like that because they're desperate to improve the edge position just as they are desperate to improve the tackle position. They need long-term fixes there. He has some of the requisite – he actually – I mean, he's an exceptional fit, even though I don't think the talent lines up with the pick. But that's how that's, – I mean, it, it would make sense. Stanley Ryan, first off, just want to say thank you for all the hard work all of you put uh, did to put together another awesome draft guide. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, it's very much appreciated. If one of you have a player that is noted as a my guy, does that result in that same person doing the write up on the prospect? Uh, not always. So we have pro we have positions split up. So I write QBs and running backs. Craig's right. Craig writes cornerbacks and linebackers. Maddie writes tackles and defensive tackles. And then we have some shared positions. Uh, Jake does wide receiver tight end. So we have some shared positions, but we've all got eyes on a vast majority of these guys. Uh, each of us have eyes on a lot of the guys that we all grade watch. We get secondary grades on all these players. We cross check all of these players or a, a big chunk of these players. So uh, you know, the, the my guy stuff could happen during cross checks. It could happen during other evaluation periods. And that's typically what happens. So, uh, no, I, I mean, I don't do the write up on Ty. I didn't do write up on Tr Tommy Tremble, but I watched a lot of Tommy Tremble and I like me some Tommy Tremble. Craig hates Tommy Tremble, though. Because I didn't Craig do the didn't... write up on Greg Island, even though I will talk your ear off about Greg Island. Yeah, but he hates Tommy Tremble. Uh, Rob Brenton. <laughs> If the Chiefs took a wide receiver instead of an offensive tackle in round one, on a scale of one to 10, how much would Chiefs fans freak out? I'm going to say a two based on how Chiefs fans freaked out about Demarcus Robinson setting his goals at 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns this year. Everybody wanted to make sure to point out that that man was not going to get there. So I think that the trust in wide receiver two is low amongst the fan base. Now I say two there because I do think it matters which receiver it is. I think the Chiefs could take a guy that maybe is a little more of a project, maybe a smaller guy once again that doesn't really translate into that wide receiver two role quickly, and that would maybe be a head scratcher and Chiefs fans wouldn't like it so much. But by and large, I think if they go out and they get one of the guys that they could fine to fit that X receiver role in round one. I think they're going to be ridiculously comfortable as a fan base with that guy on the roster. Lance W. Harper. When should the Chiefs consider drafting a quarterback? I'd think a fifth could turn into a future higher pick if showcased during the preseason or could have more upside than Henny. I don't think the Chiefs should 
uh, yet invest a draft pick in in a quarterback. What they have done, which I like, is they've taken some swings on some guys uh, in the undrafted free agent market, uh, in the you know, just like the street free agent market, like a Jordan Tamu. I think that's a great swing. I think it's a better swing than any of the quarterbacks that are available late in the draft. Like I'm not excited at all about these quarterbacks, and I don't think any of them warrant developing into a potential backup slash potential player you can flip i don't even see a player here worth trying to flip if i'm being honest um so you know i i would uh i would just continue to try to go grab the air the is it aaron gordon not is aaron gordon the the washington state uh, quarterback yes aaron gordon there's an aaron gordon the nba that didn't sound right so i was a little confused but yeah, Aaron Gordon from a couple years ago and and Jordan Ta'amu. Those are great swings on guys that you're not investing much in, but if you hit on them and if you're you're the team that, you know, kind of gets the most out of them, you know, he could be a fun addition, be a guy that has a little bit of value down the road. Just DRK29, can Tevin Jenkins play left tackle according to you guys? Also, would you rather trade away 63 and another day 3 pick to secure Tevin Jenkins, Christian Zarasaw? Or keep those picks and draft an offensive tackle on day two like Stone Forsyth or Walker Little. How about those two? So, yeah, I think Tevin Jenkins can play left tackle. I would be a little hesitant if the Chiefs are going to keep playing their tackles the same way they did with Eric Fisher and Mitchell Schwartz to just throw Tevin Jenkins out there completely on an island, dealing with all different kinds of rushers, asking him to get great vertical depth on all these vertical sets. He's got a lot of experience doing that. That's a lot of what he ran at Oklahoma State, but his strength wasn't always getting up the arc. He was better when he got his hands on guys. I would like him a lot better if the Chiefs shifted their pass protection philosophy closer to how the Colts run theirs with a lot of quick setting, a lot of shorter drops. I just don't think that fits Patrick Mahomes. So I just I would be a little hesitant to just throw him out there at tackle for the Chiefs, but I think that he can play left tackle in the NFL. As far as trading up our second round pick and a first round pick to go get, you know, Christian Darisaw or somebody like that, I, I have nothing against it. I would understand if the Chiefs did it because you can't expect a Forsyth or a Walker Little to be there at the end of round two. Like if I knew they were going to be there, I would absolutely just take one of those guys at the end of, oh no, a date, yeah, on round two, date, round three, whatever it is, but you can't guarantee that. So if you wanted to go trade up to get your guy and a Darisaw or a Tevin Jenkins, then by all means, go do it. Matthew, real quick, I'm just going to throw this scenario out. The Chiefs trade out of 31, they move to 42, and their first pick is a Stone Forsyth or a Walker Little. How do you feel? I mean, I, I feel good. You know, they got a tackle that I would be okay with them taking at 31. They traded back to do it. I think that's a better range for both of those guys. It just, it, I don't know if it's worth the risk to trade away from both of those guys, hoping they'll still be there when you move back. Chiefs channel. Brett Veach hands you his list of his top 40 players to pick at 31. He says, cross one name off and I promise I won't pick him, he says. And with your superpower of intuition, you can see that he is telling the truth, Maddie. He says that specifically in this. He quotes, he quote, Maddie in parentheses. Which top 40 prospect are you guaranteeing Casey will not take? Well, is this a top 40 prospect for us or what the NFL kind of thinks is a top 40 prospect? You know what? Let's uh, let's call it, uh, let's just say, like, just guess on the NFL. 
Liam Eikenberg. Get this man all the way out. Get him completely away from the Chiefs. I don't want this unathletic. His own head coach called him a right tackle only, said he couldn't play left tackle, and that was said fully under the impression or the purpose of being, oh yeah, he's not an athlete. Don't ask him to play old school left tackle where you put your good athletes. He's only a road grader at right tackle. Then he comes out with short arms, tests like an average NFLer. Get him all the way out of pick 31. For me, I'm looking at the number one player on Brett Veach's board, and I'm saying, you stay the hell away from Travis Etienne. You just drafted a running back in the first round last year. Do not draft another. No. Um, If I had to pick somebody, I'd pick probably Zayvon Collins. I just I think he's too soft for Steve Spagnuolo, and I think Steve Spagnuolo wouldn't put him on the field on rundowns. And I think that you'd see teams that took advantage of that. He would be an upgrade at coverage linebacker. And I think if you could unlock that physicality for him, he'd be a great player. It's just the way that he plays right now is way too soft, and I don't think that Spagnuolo would particularly like him as a player. So I, I would cross him off of that list. I can't wait to be called a hater for this. Uh, I would have said Nick Bolton, but I actually don't think he's in that top 40 range anymore. That athletic testing is just like it. I think, he was, I think he was safe in there before that testing. I think he was fringe in there before there because you still need to be able to cover and like there's better guys that can cover. I don't think he's in there. Kadarius Tony, And we've talked about him a lot. Keep him away from my football team. I don't want another gadget player who makes mistakes down the field catching the football. And speaking of some of those guys, JPEZ25. Wait, what about Terrace Marshall? I I had a really good transition and you just ruined it. I really want your take on Terrace Marshall here. I I I think Terrace... You don't want my opinion on Terrace Marshall and you're doing that on purpose. I... mm, JPEZ25. What are the specific things you think McCole Hardman could work on this offseason to take the biggest jump this year? Can we have a moment of truth here? Because I'm feeling it's it's all it's off season, and I'm feeling a little frisky. The same things that he needed to work on last off season that weren't good enough. He hasn't built off the vertical plane enough to threaten people. So he's still a vertical stretch guy. He really hasn't shown a quality curl. He hasn't shown he's made some improvements on an out route where he's threatening with his vertical ability. He's built an out route in there a little bit. That's nice. He's got to continue to build off that plane. His route tree has got to become much less predictable. He's got to start earning the trust of his quarterback. But it's the same stuff that he wasn't. He didn't really make a ton of improvements on. I also have another thought. This is just blanket. It, I don't care at all about what happens unless it's Patrick Mahomes. I don't care about the videos that these guys post on social media of them working out. I care about the workouts in between the videos because the videos of them getting work on with music behind them and a bunch of cool cutoffs and stuff, it doesn't mean anything unless you're Patrick Mahomes. It, it, it doesn't tell you a single thing. Everybody gets so excited. Oh my God. There's a, there's a fringe rosterable player with a video out there. Everybody was freaking out about this week. It doesn't matter. He has to do it in between the videos that he posts and he has to do it on the field. And it drives me nuts when we get all geeked out about all these videos and stuff, unless it's Patrick Mahomes. It drives me nuts. But he wasn't allowed in the facility to work out with Patrick Mahomes last year. So I think that buys him an extra year, right? Because he wasn't allowed to go work out. Oh, man. 
Maddie is trying to trigger Kent so hard right now. Ryan Alexander, 11. Bateman, Rashad Bateman, Greg Rousseau, and Dylan Radins are available at 31. What would you do versus what you think the Chiefs might do? Oh, man. Uh, that's, that's a great question. I probably, man, it, it's a toss-up for me between Bateman and Radins. I think both of them could fit in this Chiefs offense, and I think, I think I probably go Raiden's, even though I don't know that he's going to play left tackle at the next level. I just don't. But I would let him fail out there. He's a good athlete. I mean, I, I think he fits a lot of the things that that Andy Heck likes. Maybe not Andy Reid, but Andy Heck likes. So I'd take him. Um, I think the Chiefs would probably go like Gregory Russo because he's long and he's a first round talent at edge and you know he fits a lot of the spag stuff so I think that he makes a lot of sense I just don't know that I love him in a round one capacity Captain Corbin the draft guide has Anthony Schwartz with a round five grade but would you take a chance on him at the end of round four if he's available sure yeah, and I, I kind of, I really just wanted to answer this question because of, I think kind of, kind of a little bit, kind of what we talked about earlier with with perception of grade, perception of value. Just because we have a round five grade on somebody doesn't mean we're going to be disappointed if we take them in round four because those are both late day picks. So like, there's not a lot of reason to be frustrated about a bunch of those late round picks anyway. I think it's not necessarily about Anthony Schwartz or anything. I think just in general. You know, if it's a couple grades off, I'm, it's not something that like is it's it's the end of the world. And that I don't know if that's necessarily how the guide is supposed to be used. It's just kind of our opinion of how we see him and what his projection is. But you know, maybe they see it five percent better than us. You know, so oh, you got something, Maddie? I, I whenever you're done, I just want to talk about Anthony Schwartz real quick. Okay, go for it. So uh, if you like McCole Hardman, you know, in the second round, you would love Anthony Schwartz in the second round because he's a better player at doing the exact same thing as McCole Hardman. He's just as fast, if not faster. He actually understands ball tracking downfield and how to play with leverage. He's equally as stiff. He's literally the same player, but better. So yeah, if you like McCole Hardman, if you're trying to get McCole Hardman to develop and be better, do it by drafting Anthony Schwartz at the end of round four. My goodness. Just, uh... Run a freight train over McColl this week, you guys. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I no, I'm not. It's just it's, I saw that on Twitter. I saw it from Nate Tice on Twitter. Somebody had asked him specifically about Anthony Schwartz versus McColl Hardman because he had said Schwartz would be a fun fit for the Chiefs, and they'd asked him, and he just said, "No, Anthony Schwartz is a better player all around." And I was like, "Huh? Haven't really watched him except for live, and I just remember him being fast." So I've watched him this past couple weeks, and. Lo and behold, he is a, actually a better McCall Hardman who plays very similarly. He's just better. He just has a better understanding of the wide receiver position. And somehow, you know, we're kind of sitting here as him being this guy that might go in mid day three. What does that tell you? Andrew Nagel too. Uh, Josh Ball, the offensive tackle from Marshall, is given a really good grade in the draft guide. And yet I haven't seen him really anywhere else. Is he truly the hidden gem he appears to be? And could he end up being a huge steal for the Chiefs? Another great thing we need to... This, great, so, a strong word. But another thing we need to address in the, uh, as part of the KC draft guide process, go Matthew. 
Well, the thing about Josh Ball is that he was essentially suspended from Florida State for a Title IX, you know, infraction. He had he treated his girlfriend very poorly. I do believe that he physically assaulted her, but it just it didn't result in any legal charges. It was just he was, you know, he was kicked off the team. They did allow him to come back to Florida State. He opted not to, presumably because everybody there, you know, knew what he had done. So he left, he went to community college, then to Marshall, but he essentially, you know, he made a mistake. He made a very, very bad mistake early in his career at Florida State. He then went on to Marshall. It's very clear to see when you watch him why he was a five-star recruit, why he was one of these top offensive tackle recruits coming out of high school, why he played at Florida State as a freshman and early in his career. He just has a very, very, very checkered past that is going to require a lot of checking into for NFL teams. So when you get to the draft guide, I don't get to talk to him. I don't get to talk to anybody involved with these issues. All I can do is evaluate his film. So I put a grade out there based purely on his film from Marshall. We then mark that this guy has character concerns, but that doesn't affect the grade that you see whatsoever. It will affect the projected draft range, but it will not affect his grade in any way, shape, or form. That's why we always tell people, read the first page of the KC Draft Guide. It's kind of the lay of the land, how we think our data, how we think our information should be interpreted. It gives you all the information that we hope to provide you before you read it. We don't take into consideration medical, and we don't take into consideration character when we are doing our evaluations and our write-ups. We will, mo- we will notate what if there are reports of medical issues, if there are reports of off-field issues, we will notate that it's in the back of the book in the top 300. It's also very often in the write-ups themselves. We will make sure to mention some of the things about in the context surrounding these players. Josh Ball, talent, very obviously very good football player. Other things surrounding him, a lot of questions. The film is good. The character is undraftable. J. Cole, 24. Hypothetically, both Jalen Phillips and Caleb Farley, Farley fall to pick 31 due to injury concerns. Whom do you take, if either? And what if Tevin Jenkins is also there? I want you to make. I want you to pick between those two. Everybody's just providing us scenarios this week. Oh, man. I, hmm, I think I got to go Jalen. Um, I love Caleb Farley. I love his ceiling. Caleb Farley is also not played football in a long time, and he just had back surgery for the second time after not playing football for a long time. Jalen Phillips at least played football last year and looked really good doing it. So I would take Jalen Phillips there. I I love to have Jenkins. I really love to have Jenkins. His arms are shorter than Andy Reid drafts. And he plays right tackle. And that, so there's a transition with an arm shortage that Andy Reid just doesn't really like. I my, my ship has sailed for Tevin Jenkins. I'm just not getting my hopes up anymore. I love him. I would love him to play with the Chiefs. But I just don't think it's going to happen. So I'm going to go with Jalen Phillips. Tevin has 33 and a half inch arms. It was initially reported 32 and 7 eighths. That's very fringy. Very. And like, uh, it's very Mitchell, I don't, Mitchell Schwartz played with 33 and a half inch arms. So that's what everybody's going to say. Andy Reid's draft history is different from him going out and picking up a very obviously 
good right tackle in Mitch Schwartz in the free agent market. You should read the feature in the KC draft guide, but without giving up too much away. Andy Reid is willing to make more exceptions for offensive tackles that have proven it in the National Football League. But he typically likes to draft the measurables outside of that. Uh, Bones Jackson, too. Would this roster be good enough to compete for the division with 2017 Alex Smith quarterback play? To compete for the division, sure. The division stinks. Uh, I'm... I don't think it's that particularly good. Um, I I think, you know, the 2017 team even think had some quality defense, uh, had a quality defense to them. So I I don't think that – I don't think this defense is up to that level. Uh, Alex Smith would get the ball out so quick that maybe they could survive with up front. Ball's just going to be checked down. Clyde Edwards-Alaire would eat. Uh, I think they could compete, but I don't know if they would be clear-cut favorites. And I don't know if they would actually ultimately pull it off. Andy Reid does wonders, though. Corio four, what position on the Chiefs roster would best best suit you and the AP Lad gang individually? And how many downs would you last before you got carted off the field? Punter. Um, I would. This get isn't even best. a joke. You are legitimately best fit to punt. Yes, I am best fit to punt. I played soccer for twenty five years. I I am best fit to punt. I would punt once. I would extend through the kick. I would rip every fiber in my right hamstring, and I would never play football again. Mine would be H-back because it's the one position Andy Reid has yet to embrace, and I would never get on the field, so I would have a nice long career of never improving the fullback position for the Kansas City Chiefs because we don't want to play modern football and instead field fullbacks. You would play teams. Like like crazy though, you'd be all over special teams. I can do that for a player too. I mean, I guess I'm not I'm not suited to play this, but I I played quarterback in college poorly. Um, I would survive all of the whole. I would be an ex, I was an all world holder. I'm telling you, y'all didn't even want to know how good of a holder I was. Uh, so I could survive those plays, but the second. You know what? I'm just going to say I would never have to play again, so I'd last to have a long career because Patrick LaVon Mahomes will never be hurt ever again. Ever again. Uh, all right, that's going to do it for the AP Laboratory Mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate y'all. Uh, great questions as always. We'll be back on Wednesday with the AP Draft Show. Catch y'all later. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.